0: Welcome to the Activist Insight podcast, Beyond the Boardroom, a new supplement to our monthly podcast, which takes you through the top shareholder activism stories as told by Activist Insight Monthly. Here, we'll discuss shareholder activism with some of the industry's top experts. I'm Ilana Duray, a financial reporter with Activist Insight, and today, we'll chat with Jay Frankel from FTI Consulting. Jay is a managing director at FTI leading the firm's activism and M&A solutions practice, where he works with corporations to develop and implement strategies designed to maximize shareholder value. Today, Jay will teach us how a company can prepare for an activist investor. Hi, Jay. Welcome to the show. When is the best time for a company to start preparing for an activist?
1: So I think you always have to be prepared. Activist investors in some ways are no different than any other investor they're just inclined to be more noisy from a management and board perspective than calling passive investors. and, And also come with very specific thoughts and ideas about how value can be created at a given portfolio company that for the most part, is very similar to what board of directors are supposed to be doing. They are looking for value, they're trying to maximize value for shareholders, they have different ideas about how that should be. And for a company to be thinking about an activist investor, what they should really be thinking about is how are we executing versus our long-term plan? How are we doing along that path and that journey? To the extent that we're not accomplishing some of the things that either they've set forth for themselves in terms of a long-term plan or are missing benchmarks along the way, such as guidance numbers or an attempted strategic transaction that doesn't pan out, what's their response when, when an investor or an activist investor asks them why that is occurring? So as management teams and boards sort of go through the process of trying to carry out their long-term plan, they should be always thinking about where do we maximize value, how could we do better, how could the shareholders' returns be enhanced, and the distinction is activists will come with very specific ideas. So. Uh, I think management teams and board members should always be thinking about being prepared. And to the extent that they do have misses or toe stubs or vulnerabilities, not only being aware of what those things are, but having some thought put behind how you would articulate that to shareholders, I think is really important.
0: You touched on this a little bit, but what are some things a company can do to prepare?
1: I think they need to start with where are their vulnerabilities and and what do those vulnerabilities look like and how well identified are they in terms of finding them in in, in periodic reports or investor transcripts or presentations. Different types of vulnerabilities, whether it's financial or operational or from a governance perspective, usually are not very difficult to figure out when you're a management team or, or a board member. The question then becomes, what do you do with those things and how should you prepare? One piece of advice that we often give to our clients is one way to negate being surprised or having a confrontation with any kind of investor, activist or otherwise, is be out there articulating where, where you have missed and why you think you have missed and what you intend to do about it. And I think one of the things that that's really beneficial in helping down the road is to the extent that somebody shows up with a new idea and, you know, activism in, in, in our mind is all about change. Who, who wants to change the strategy or change the execution or change the people who are executing whatever that strategy might be is to be articulating to other investors, look, here, here's what we're doing and we wish this had gone better or, you know, we had done better in this particular area, right? But, but here's why we think it didn't and, and this is what we're doing about it. And to the extent that you have management teams who, who are communicating in that way, Way and self-identifying these sorts of vulnerabilities, it, it really takes the edge off of an activist coming in with those same sort of ideas, because it's something that shareholders would have already heard, um, I mean, and, and that requires some some effort and some preparation, and, and in some cases it requires. Bringing in a third party to provide a fresh perspective, as you always get a little bit of groupthink going on, particularly when you're asking individuals who not only are setting the strategy but are executing against the strategy and also looking backwards to determine how they did on that strategy. It, it, it becomes a little homogenous, and you know, bringing a third party in to be able to have a fresh perspective on on what a company has done and what it said, I think, is is, is really valuable in the preparation. Process.
0: Should a company take different steps once an activist is already on its register?
1: There is this growing popular uh, sense that management teams and, in some cases, board members should engage with activists. And I think that's good advice. There is a difference of view in terms of what engagement really means. Some management teams, and typically you have you know, a CEO, perhaps a CFO, and a general counsel you know, as well as a director representative, oftentimes a lead director, but not always, who are designated to to communicate with investors, in particular activists. And, you know, our advice is if you have a known activist shareholder who shows up on your register, uh, reach out to them, call them up, invite them for a meeting, see what's on their minds. In in some cases, they'll decline the meeting and and they're happy to be a passive investor if they haven't filed a 13D. Right? They're, they're simply along the ride. They have, you know, a viewpoint on the company and obviously they see value from where that is. But, you know, reaching out to them and asking them, what do you think? How are we doing? Do you have any suggestions for us? I think it's a really effective way to engage with any investor, in particular an activist. And I think a number of activist funds uh, would raise their eyebrows and be impressed that you had a, a portfolio company who they have not yet engaged with reach out to them versus the other way around. I think there's there's been a number of years previous to now where management teams kind of held their breath, waiting for that phone call to land in their IR, you know, asking for a meeting with somebody in the C suite. You know, to turn that around, I think it's a very healthy thing. I think a number of, of activists who would consider themselves to be more of the constructivist variety would be impressed
0: with that. Is any sector or market cap immune to an activist invasion? sure
1: anybody is is immune. There are some areas that I think are more difficult for activist investors to engage with. For example, financial institutions are notably difficult because their business model is is so heavily regulated, is so contingent upon interest rates that real activist engagement is is very difficult to accomplish just because there's so much regulatory depth to be able to get through. We've seen it. It's, It's not it's not unheard of, but I think it's harder, particularly at the larger financial institutions. I think some of the community banks find themselves to be a very popular targets of the be activists because there's only so much that they can do. You know, in terms of market cap, statistically, you see the majority of shareholder activism, you know, as, as defined by engagement that goes to a proxy contest, really in, in the middle market. So let's define that as. 500 million to 5 billion, uh, in terms of market cap levels. And, you know, in those areas, you see a lot of volume. You see a whole, whole realm of different shapes and sizes. As you move down in the market cap spectrum, you have companies who have lesser capitalization, perhaps with, with different levels of experience at the management level on the board, where for some of the, the, the smaller activists with lesser assets under management, it's just an easier target to be able to accomplish whatever it is they think they can accomplish to see value in the stock. So as you move down into the micro caps, um, I think they're decreasingly able to defend themselves effectively, and I think they're easier targets, particularly for for lower lower AUM activists. Up in the mega caps, right? There's there's only so much that should be able to accomplish. But you know, here you've got campaigns for entities as big as Apple where you know, we saw shareholders who were well under 1% were still able to accomplish some change that they sought. So even as you get into the, to the mega caps or the micro caps, we, we do see campaigns and we do see effectiveness.
0: Are certain activist demands more dangerous for a company?
1: It would depend on how we think about dangerous. When we're advising clients, we take demands as they are wasted upon our client, and we look at them and we try to decide, look, are are these credible suggestions? Do they make sense? Is this something that we necessarily want to put up a fight, or is is this in line with our own value creation plans, or could this be put in a form that, that it could become part of our value creation plan? I think where you see the more contentious activism is where you just have a disagreement in terms of whatever change that that the investor is seeking and what management and the board are willing to do. And and sometimes the management board position uh, is is the correct one, and it's well fortified, and whatever change that's being sought by the activist doesn't make sense, And, And even despite efforts. To explain to the activists why that doesn't make sense. They simply don't agree. And that's where you usually see efforts to, to remove directors via proxy contest uh, or settlement or or you or they seek to remove management. So I don't really think of, of, of any particular demand as necessarily being dangerous. Um but some of the demands around corporate governance, uh, legal guidelines, classified, declassified boards, poison pills, things like that, you know, certainly remove. have a spectrum of funds, you know, some funds, I think, would, would characterize themselves as constructivist, and they really mean it. They sort of feel like the ability to provide management and a board with suggestions of how to create value is, is the best way to generate alpha. And some of them have the means and, and the bench strength to be able to execute upon that, assuming that you have management and board willingness to do so. And I think those are those are fairly healthy interactions. They're not always pleasant, but they're healthy for the company and for shareholders, and hopefully for the ultimate returns that are sought. There are other funds who, you know, have have greater ego and you know think everybody at, at a particular portfolio company doesn't know what they're doing, and and you just don't have any listening or, or any real listening going on back and forth. And I think those are the more contentious situations that you see. Right, which, which is dangerous from the sense of, is management and the board going to keep their jobs? Right, how, how far and how much money is this activist willing to spend? And also how much money is, is management and the board going to have to spend, mind you, of the shareholders' money to be able to have a credible defense? So I think those are, those are the more dangerous situations. And and I think they, they usually come up based upon personality conflicts. Or just just a lack of listening and, and poor engagement, which which might be on both parts.
0: When should a company embrace an activist, and when should the company challenge the activist? In other words, when is it appropriate to settle?
1: So I, I think you have to start with two things. You have to start with who is this activist, and and are they a credible activist from the perspective of these are well thought through ideas? They can present sufficient information that would convince a, a management team and a board. These people have really done their homework, and they're being smart about what they're asking us to do, and they've done it before. And and that requires some work, and it's work many times we're involved in where we're looking not only at who is asking our our client to do something, but what it is that that they're being asked to do, and have they been successful in this sort of exercise before. And, And that's something where you really find a wealth of information, particularly the funds that have been around for some time and have quite a bit of experience just because a fund has a, has a great reputation and a considerable amount of assets under management doesn't make their ideas for change good, nor does it make them experts necessarily in the industry that the company is is, is competing in. And I think that, that's where you see a lot of discourse and a lot of situations that kind of blow up, because you've got ideas coming from people who aren't necessarily well-steeped in the details of the industry that, that they're trying to, accomplish change. So, you know, when you have value creation ideas that make sense from a credible investor, you know, that should be something that results in engagement. And, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to require a settlement occurs. Sometimes it's just, hey, thanks for the idea. We appreciate it. These are good ideas. We're open to them. We want to hear from our shareholders. and, And we're going to either take that under advisement or we're going to move in a direction that you're suggesting that we move. Other times, there's, there's some level of, of, of trust that isn't necessarily established. and need a settlement to be able to accomplish that. That usually comes with a standstill, meaning the activist will, will wait a certain period of time and give management and, and the board the opportunity to do what it is that they said they would do. In, in, in terms of when you challenge, you, you challenge when you have a half-baked idea or an idea that doesn't make sense or you have a half-baked actor um, who doesn't necessarily have the credibility or the history in terms of execution of what it is that they're trying to advocate. And one one thing that we're always interested in looking very closely at is the industry dynamic. There are some funds out there who are either industry agnostic or who have done very well in particular industries, but when they've stepped out of, of that particular industry, they've gotten clobbered on some portfolio uh, investments. I think it's those situations where we, we would look at very closely, see what their track record is, if there are dissident nominees being put up for the board. Let's look very closely at those nominees in terms of what their expertise and what their experience and track records look like. And if, if it doesn't all compute, those are the situations that we're advising our clients to, to fight and to contend. Because the ideas for change and the people who are advocating them don't make sense.
0: Thanks, Jay. Thank you, Ilana. That was Jay Frankel, a Managing Director at FTI Consulting. That's it for this episode of the Activist Insight podcast, Beyond the Boardroom. If you would like to join us for a future episode, or if you have any comments or questions, please email press at activistinsight.com. I'm Ilana Dure. Thanks for listening.